Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Taco Palenque fans, we have something special for you. Try the Casero Taco now for only $2.75 Monday through Thursday. Flavor packed with premium sirloin rice and refried beans. Only at Taco Palenque. At participating locations for limited time, not valid for delivery. Other restrictions may apply. From a top secret network of highly secure locations across North America, this is the Spurs Insider, brought to you as always by Taco Palenque. I'm your host, Mike Finger, joined by our panel of Express News beat writers, Jeff McDonald and Tom Orsborne and Express News sports editor, Nick Talbot. We're going to talk about the week that was in Wimbyland, and I'm not sure where to start because we saw sort of the best, well, since the last podcast, we saw sort of the worst of both worlds, but that's, it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress. We're going to talk about it. Let's start with Jeff McDonald in the great state of Oklahoma. Um, this is going to reach your ears after the second round of Victor Wembanyama versus Chet Holmgren. Jeff has not seen that yet, but Jeff, uh, what what have your been your impressions of kind of a rough week leading into that Oklahoma City game for for your local Cagers? I think for the local cagers, it, it brings to mind a, a catchphrase that is going to be popularized by our, our starting point guard there. And that, oh, well, this is a family insider uh, podcast, and maybe you can explain that joke without going expletive, into too many expletive, details. Expletive, this expletive is how it will appear in the uh, family newspaper there. Is that where you want to start, the Jeremy Sohan? With the, we, we do Wimby every week. Uh, mainly Wimby every yeah, let's week. Let's start with Jeremy Sohan. Just, just, just for a curveball. Let's start with okay. Jeremy Sohan. Let's tell um, the listeners uh, what happened um, when he spoke to the media, and Tom was there. Maybe Tom can can speak to this as well. Um, Jeremy Sohan has been part of the grand 2023-24 experiment, as Greg Popovich put it. He's a power forward who's learning to play point guard in the NBA, which. I'm not sure we've ever seen before. And uh, there have been ups and downs to that as well. And Tom, you were there at the practice site, The Rock, Victory Capital Performance Center on Saturday when Jeremy was describing his ups and downs. And again, this is a family podcast, so don't be too explicit, but you can sort of uh, give us the uh, broad strokes there. Yeah, he kind of uh, bared his soul that that, uh, day. He was after a a workout workout. He's a little reluctant to come talk to us, but he did. And when he got there, it was well worth the wait. Um, yeah, he just kind of bared his soul about the difficulties of uh, 
you know, suddenly becoming a point guard, um, you know, trying to learn that position, uh, trying to defend, you know, the other team's best players, some of the best scorers in the NBA, and then getting on the other end of the court, trying to set up the offense and and find guys and lead the team and listen to pop and and on and on. And, you know, he said he has moments and, and, and he said he has moments where he just says, you know, bleep this bleep. <laughs> uh, and and who among us hasn't been Jeremy Sohan at, at some moments in our lives where we, you know, that's the that's what we're thinking. And bleep this bleep. But yeah. but we, you know, wake up in the morning, put the clothes on, go do it. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, I'm, I'm glad, glad that you put the clothes on, Tom. Yeah, that's that's yep. always a good choice. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got it. Yeah, buckle it up. Uh, many times in my life, I know I've, I'm in the shower and I'm thinking, just show up. That's all you got to do is show up. It'll get better. You know, this is almost the end of the podcast. The it end is. Of the, well, we're uh, gonna. My point say, is, who again? Who among us hasn't been Jeremy? It's not. You know what I found so refreshing is that he articulated it. You know that was that was great. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a great moment. Uh, something more more athletes more of us should do you know for mental health reasons just say what you're feeling and you know it doesn't mean you're going to give up or quit but uh you know you keep going i gotta say i've been awake for like 30 minutes here in oklahoma and i think i've thought bleep this bleep about seven times already right right, right. so and with some of that might have to do with oklahoma you know you know um before we get into like the basketball angle of it though i just thought the the honesty was refreshing. Like oh, we don't, absolutely. we don't get that as much anymore. Um, but Jeremy's a 20 year old kid basically. And like you said, bared his soul. And he wasn't saying like, I, I'm mad at pop for making me do this. And I don't, I'm, I want to quit. And I'm, I, I can never do it. And I'll never be a point guard. He was just saying there are moments of those, uh, you know, moments where he, he feels like this is too hard. And then there are moments where he feels like I can do this. And for the good of the team, He's sort of, um, you know, he's he's willing to to try to make it work, even though it's not his comfort zone. Now, speaking to that, how do we think it's looked on the floor? Because sometimes, I mean, I, I see exactly what he's saying. Sometimes it's like he looks pretty good and the numbers look pretty good. And then sometimes he has, you know, six turnovers and just looks so unconfident. And to me, that's that's the part that if I pop is maybe a little concerning because I thought one of Jeremy's best skills last year was just this almost um, – irrational confidence just so confident in what he's doing he was the trash talking his rookie in the league probably for a team that was winning 20 something games and there are times when he's playing point guard in his second season where he just looks unconfident uncomfortable and i don't think anybody um is at their best when they're unconfident but i also think to gain confidence it takes a long time to gain confidence with any skill any job it takes a long time and they're you're gonna have to fight through the moments of unconfidence to get to the other side where you are confident and I don't know how many times I can say the word confident in a 10 minute span, but I, I think I broke the record. He, it's a uh, lot. You know, I also, I asked him, you know, what's the toughest aspect of this, this new role? And he said, it's just tiring. He said, you know, it's, it's tiring mentally, physically, you know, to, and I think, you know, he's, he's talking about the two components of it. Not, not only is he learning the new position or the new role, we should say, and, and trying to execute it, but also, just that challenge of defending, you know, a top scorer almost every night, or you know, the the other team's best offensive player every night. That's that just adds on to it. And then they're asking him to rebound and 
you know, shoot from the outside and do all the other stuff that, that uh, we want to see him grow and progress into. So it, it is challenging. After, after he said that, I made a point of watching him in that game of Miami, just taking a couple of possessions and just watching the work he put in. And there was one de- defensive possession that I made note of that was really pretty good. He's guarding Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler decides to dribble around for about about 20 seconds of the shot clock. Like, he's, he's, he's dribbling left, dribbling right, probing into the lane, out of the lane. And Jeremy's sticking with him all the way into the paint. Uh, and then Butler, with about four or five seconds on the shot clock, throws it out to the top of the arc to, I believe it was Duncan Robinson, who otherwise had a great game. But I believe it was Duncan Robinson at the top of the arc. And it's Jeremy who jumps off of, of Butler okay. yes. to, to block the shot at the top of the arc. And that's the kind of effort and energy he's putting in on the defensive end. And this is this is sort of, I mean, not sort of, this is why Pop wants him on the floor. He's probably your second best player, uh, defensive player, besides Wimby. So you need to get him minutes on the floor, and it, it just seems like you have to start him to do that. And and in order to start him, you have to start him at point guard, unless you guys want to talk about some other uh, lineup configurations they could go with, but I don't think think there's a point to that. Because I don't think Pop is looking at that. I think he's looking at this as his starting lineup, sink or swim, maybe all year. And if it doesn't work all year, you do something different next year. I, that's kind of my read on it right now, 10 games in. You mentioned towards the beginning of this discussion about how Pop is doing this for the good of the team or doing this experiment for the good of the team. And I, I think that's that's the overarching top point. But if we're looking at best case here, it also could be for the good of Jeremy Sohan because if this works, just imagine that guy, that defender, that skill set also being a point guard. I mean, his his career, his earning potential, all that is through the roof. Like there is something in it for Jeremy as well if this works out. Now, I'm still not convinced it's going to, but it's not just a it's not necessarily a sacrifice for the team type of thing because this could this could work out really well for him if he becomes an adequate point guard in this league. Like that's a that's a really special skill set to have. Um, so I do think that we should acknowledge that that this could be good for him. Um, the but but you're right in that just because of the Spurs mix and who's on the roster right now, their best lineup as you mentioned is one with Jeremy Sohan playing adequate point guard, competent point guard, um, and doing all those defensive things that you mentioned, um, bringing his shot along, which still needs improvement, but there's potential there. He can score. There, there are times you know, during these first 10 games where you remember, hey, he's kind of a playmaker who can make it, who can create his own shot too. Some of the stuff that we saw last year, he's still doing, he's still doing sort of power forward shooting guard type of stuff on offense every now and then there's flashes of it and you can see how well maybe he'd be better doing that he, he certainly looks more comfortable doing that than creating shots for other people um but it, it's a long-term pro- uh, project and we've mentioned on this podcast before uh giving up on something that you've been planning for all off season for months this clearly the spurs have been planning for this for months giving up on it just a few games into it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either because that almost makes you look like you're just throwing stuff at the, at the wall. So I totally get why fans can be clawing their eyes out, pulling their hairs out, hair out, watching this stuff. It can be ugly at times. 
but I think there's enough promise there, enough bright spots to where you sort of just stick with it. Because again, this isn't a playoff team. Um, it's not like these losses that are happening in November are going to cost them a chance at the NBA title. I, th- I think it's worth it because the upside, if it works out, is so, so, so huge, even if the upside isn't that likely to occur. Yeah, as we've mentioned before, like this is the year to experiment with this sort of stuff and see what sort of makes you have. The only concern or worry I would have, like I don't like you mentioned, I don't care about wins and losses right now. I don't care if it looks terrible at times right now. The only concern I would have is just don't don't break him. Yeah. Don't ruin him. Don't ruin his confidence to the point you can't get it back. I don't know if that's gonna happen. Like like I mentioned before, he's probably the most confident kid in the entire NBA. But just that you know, don't don't get him thinking so much and overthinking so much that you take away what makes him special. And that's when he almost, almost like he just turns off his brain and plays on instinct and becomes this sort of like wrecking ball type player that's just flying all over the place. You don't want him to lose that by overthinking. And he's going to be overthinking 10 games into trying to move the point guard, but you just hope it doesn't become a permanent feature of this, that he gets to the point where he's not overthinking anymore. Or, the, or you know, to the point where the bleep, these bleep days are far outnumbering the good days and he's just, he's just beaten. Like I said, I'm not predicting that that would happen, but if I'm pop, that's something I'm definitely keeping in mind and something I'm definitely monitoring, you know, on a on a frequent basis. Get up, suit up, show up. It'll get better, Jeremy. There you go. Is that Ted Lasso or something? <laughs> it's Tom Horsborn. Uh, that's that's been my mantra for years. Get up, suit up, show up. Uh, um, you always turn in your envelopes, Tom. That's right. That's my right. my mantra has been bleep this bleep for as long <laughs> as I, I can remember. I think I was, that, that was my mantra in kindergarten. I think. One player whose mantra has not been... Mike, I mean, Jeff, I almost did a spit take into our new mics with that comment. (laughs) That was good. I like it. I can imagine you as as a kindergartner saying that. One player who has not uh, been espousing the bleep this bleep mantra so far, even though there have been some tough nights for him, is Victor Wimbanyama. Still, Still positive, still upbeat. Even after, even though there's been, I noticed after that Miami game, and I think everybody did, there's just a tinge of, uh, this is getting a little tiresome and not, not necessarily the basketball, but just having to come in. He does more media than it, than anybody else. Uh, he has to go to the podium after every game. And, uh, I think the, our French colleagues had mentioned, they asked him one one of the questions in French was, are you getting sort of tired of coming in here and doing this after every game? And that's what the sort of heavy sigh that Victor had was that we all saw. And then, then the French the answer of the, the answer was something along the lines of, no, you know, it's part of it. Something along those lines. But clearly, I, I the, think the, the week tiresome. that was, was a week that was rough. It was yeah, blowouts. Yeah, it becomes tiresome isn't just coming in there to talk to us. It's coming in there to talk to us about another loss. Right. Usually, where they've had a lead or uh, been down a bunch and came back, they're, they're, that's got to that's got to get old if you're 19. Like, could, could you win one game so I could come in there and be happy for once? But what do what do you think about just his on court game lately, heading into this Oklahoma State game, I mean, Oklahoma it's, City game? It's more of the it's more of the same, you know. I mean, you you see moments that could be smoothed out moments he's learning through as we've mentioned pop is just kind of watching him go right now um there there are parts of it that you will hope you know that he'll learn from parts of it you hope that will be coached out of him over the course of time 
But then those moments where you, you just sit there with your, you know, slack jawed. And there's a there's a lot of games where you look at, well, he's having a bad game, man. He's got like six points at half. And it's just it's just not working for him. And then you look at there at the end, he's got 28, 20, 12 rebounds. Block, like it's it, it every game seems, it seems to work out for him now. Um, even when it's not pretty at times. I guess if you want to nitpick some things that I've been kind of thinking about, doesn't it seem like he has slow starts? Absolutely. Have, like his fourth quarter. I think I had actually we looked this up on press row uh, the other night. This is before the Miami game. But he's shooting 70% in the fourth quarter, in yeah, fourth yep. quarters, and 26% in first quarters. He's like, said it a couple of times that that he does not start games well. It's It's been something he's battled, uh, or not battled, but he's experienced his whole life. And, uh, you know, he's talked about the need to play to play better the whole game, not just uh, late. But he, he certainly starts slow and builds up, and then he's very good at the end. Something that but jumped out if to I may me. Be so, if I may be so, if I may be so bold to, you know, I'm, I'm just a caveman. I don't know much about uh, the ins and outs of, of basketball, but if he starts slow, my advice to him would be get some easy ones first. He comes yeah. out taking threes and taking jumpers, and they don't fall, and then they fall late, and that's great. But maybe if he if he wants a better start. Um, find a way to get him something at the basket, one of those easy ones. Run some plays. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's easier said than done. Again, I'm just a caveman. But, Coach McDonald. But, you know, let him see it go in the basket a couple times. Maybe let him get fouled and get to the line and see it go in the basket a couple times in the first quarter. Maybe that'll change his first quarter fortunes. But like I said, even the way it's going, it always seems to work out for him. Like he gets it together, and by the end of the day, you're like, well, he's had a really great night. Well, maybe when the coach stops observing – and starts calling plays that'll start to happen. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm making a bit of a joke, but Pop oh. said Pop said he's not he's not coaching them yet. That was that was a few games ago. I'm not sure if that's changed lately. He's he's just in the observing mode, uh, and we'll we'll see. Maybe if we move from observing to uh, to calling some stuff, maybe he can follow the advice of Coach McDonald and Coach Orsborn and start running some plays. And that'll that'll change everything, right? Yeah, he'll finally, you know, he'll finally be good at basketball. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> One thing I noticed last week that I'm sure is sort of old hat to somebody like Jeff McDonald, who's in his 17th year as as the beat writer for the Express News, um, it hammered home how long an NBA season is because sitting in the Frostbank Center this past Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back to basically, not basically, exactly one week earlier at halftime of a Sunday game at Frost Bank Center when your local cagers were rolling the Toronto, the Toronto Raptors and on their way to their third straight victory after two in a row in Phoenix. And it looked like the sky was the limit and that we were even talking playoffs. And it seemed like six months ago. Just that one week, one week in an NBA season is an eternity. And you think of all that happened between the halftime on Sunday against the Toronto Raptors and that game the next week against the Miami Heat. It was like, I mean, you, they blow the lead to the Raptors on, on that Sunday, losing overtime. They get blowed out in Indiana in a game that was never close. You have the whole Victor Takes Broadway, Takes Manhattan story that we haven't even got to on this podcast, but was full of some interesting stuff. 
and uh, you lose the game on the on the green and yellow court during the in season tournament to Minnesota in a game where they again trailed by a bunch, made sort of a valiant com- comeback that made Pop proud, but fell short. And then another rough game against Miami. I mean, that's just, that's six different storylines in the span of seven days. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, Tom, does that make any sense to you? Just Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I mentioned to you, um, you know, on Sunday that Phoenix, those, those two wins in Phoenix, the high point seemed yeah. like months ago. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just uh, new storylines every night. The games never stop coming. And, uh, yeah, it, it underscores to me how tough this league is. And and we're talking about Victor, a 19-year-old kid thrown into this for the first time. You know, it's it's pretty daunting. It's daunting for a veteran. It almost exposes the risk of our podcast schedule because we are recording this masterpiece on a Tuesday before this Wimby Chet showdown on Tuesday night. And but by the time the listeners are listening to it on Wednesday morning, like they they we could have seen a an all-time classic last night. Like like uh you know, Chet and Wimby could have combined for a hundred points. Spurs could have beaten the Thunder by fifty. Who knows? Um but uh the, the things can change quickly. But as daunting as it is for Victor, we do know from that New York trip that his teammates have his back. That's true, Tom. Thank Correct. you for the, thank yeah, you for no, the plug. Great. great column by Mike Finger. I'd like to hear more about it. Well, did you did you read it on expressnews.com or did you get it in the uh, the Express uh, the Spurs Nation newsletter? Where where did you read this masterpiece? Was it in the was it in the print edition? It, it was on it's my app. app. My Express News app, yes. Tom told me that he... trying to make some plugs right now. Tom told me that he saw it on Facebook. Tom told me he saw it on Facebook from from one of the many who just cut and pasted it into their own posts and stole it from us. Yeah, Um, does does that happen? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it's it's cool. It's it's an honor. People enjoyed it. It was a story that... uh, I told my grandmother never to do that. I know, I know. She doesn't she listen to me. She's old. I told Mark Zuckerberg needs to ban her from the platform for plagiarism. Oh, for but, she, um, she should be banned from the platform for way more than plagiarism. <laughs> there you go. The uh, Jeff Jeff and I were sort of arguing over an angle. This happened. This is behind the scenes sports journalism stuff that nobody this happens cares all the about. time. Yeah, and I never yeah. win. I usually win. We're fighting over a quote. We're fighting over. I want to write this. Jeff wants to write this. Who's get, who gets to write it? We have that the same idea a lot. Is what we happens. have the same idea a lot. That's that's sort of an Sick. indictment of me, an indictment of him, an indictment of us both. But yes, so there's these negotiations that go on behind the scenes, and Jeff's not happy after this Knicks game because I kind of want to write what he wants to write. And uh, there's this sort of clash of wills as to who's going to get it. And I sort of, I think I'd agreed at the time to let him have whatever he wanted. Yeah, it was and after I gave you that black eye. You had to true. back down. That's true. Um, I'm, I had to buy the makeup to cover that up, uh, concealer, all that type of stuff. Anyway, I decided to make one last futile I expected would be futile trip to down the hallway. You tend to do this a lot in, in reporting. You make trips to lock to the locker room, knowing you're probably going to get nothing out of it. 
you check one last back hallway knowing that there's nothing there just on the remote chance that you stumble into something and on that night we stumbled into uh first of all Devin Vassell walking down the hallway kind of formulating this plan of um they can get mad at one of us for being last on the bus but they can't get mad at all of us they can't get mad at six of us and Keldon Johnson agrees and Zach Collins and Charlie Bassey we call him Charlie Bassey me and Jeff and the PA announcer at uh crypto.com arena I'll call him Charlie Bassey um Zach Collins was there. I think I mentioned Jeremy Sohan was there. Um, they decide that they're late for the bus. The bus is late for the plane. They're going to get, somebody's going to be in trouble for being last, but can't, you can't yell at six people. And so they stand there. It really was remarkable. Uh, Victor is there in the hallway saying goodbye to his mom, saying goodbye to his dad, kind of having this moment where his mom is consoling her son after a rough night at the garden, um, the the garden denizens were chanting overrated at him. It was another tough loss for the Spurs. And these six millionaires, basically, stand there and wait for him because they don't want him to be last. And I walked up to Keldon and I was like, what's, what's, what's going on here? And he says, he's saying goodbye to his mom. We don't want him to be here by himself. We're going to walk out with him together. And after Victor... Hugged his mom, hugged his dad, said his goodbyes. He walks into this group of six veterans who supposedly, according to certain parts of the internet, certain parts of the sports viewing world, should be resentful of all the attention that Victor is getting and um, are supposedly embittered by being overshadowed. Nope, these guys waited for him, patted him on the back and said, "We're, we're walking out of here together. And this is sort of a corny story, hokey story, sappy story, whatever. But I think it speaks volumes about the fact that the sort of Spurs, the, exactly the culture the Spurs are trying to build is working. And usually when coaches talk about culture and players talk about culture, I kind of roll my eyes, as a lot of us do. And a lot of times it is eye-rolling worthy. But I, th- I think in this case, it, it really was striking to me. Maybe I have a soft spot. Maybe I'm gullible. Um, but to see those guys sort of wait for him just to make sure he wasn't the last guy on the bus, um, I, th- I think it was meaningful. And uh, so there you go. There's the story, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I had a little assist on that, didn't I? Yeah, you mentioned the, you mentioned the Devin line. Uh, yeah, I just, I just want the readers and viewers to... To, uh, readers and listeners and I guess viewers to know that we can also work together you know sometimes Durant and, and Westbrook can get along you know who's Durant in the situation I think it's barely obvious I do too <laughs> no but we'll anyway just, like we'll just leave it at that but anyway you um <laughs> yeah so you you had you had you had I I had left the locker room maybe a minute and a half to ahead of you um, mm-hmm. That day, I just sort of I, I didn't really know anything any of this was going on, but I walked through that gaggle of Devin and and the uh-huh. other five, and heard Devin just overheard Devin talking talking loudly about how like they you know they can get mad at one of us, but they, you know one of us can't be late, but we can, if we're you know whatever solidarity. It's, it's called solidarity. Right. solidarity. But I didn't know what he was talking. I didn't know what he's talking about. I know that I just went up to the you know I just kind of overheard it and went up to the press room to to write my uh, my piece. 
And that's when uh, Mr. Finger came up there and told me what he had observed. And I was like, well, I heard Devin say this. And then like we both looked at each other and it just sort of clicked. Well, that's exactly what happened. We put the the story together and it was a little little, little teamwork there. Wow, that's inspiring. That's inspiring. It is. It's the kind of quality behind the scenes stories reporting you're going to get in the Express News print edition, expressnews.com. And all our other platforms. I know you're saying that for the plug, but I'm going to say it out loud. Like nobody else, I'm just going to say listeners and viewers and nobody else in the world, no other organization is on on the ground floor of every single Spurs game home and away. So if you want the real behind the scenes stuff, you know where to go. Go to Facebook after they steal it from us. Oh, good Lord. I'm just (laughs) saying. Um, The ground floor of every Spurs game. That's that's true. Here we go. I, I just want to, again, acknowledge how much I enjoy Madison Square Garden where the ground floor of the press room is, what, floor six. And you come up with the garbage and they yell at you and the media meal is a, is a pain. And, uh, you know... I think something's wrong with you, like that you like this. Like you, I love like, it you more like than anything. Punishments. Like, I think you need, to, you need to talk to your therapist about this, about why you like to be just humiliated in that way. It's not humiliating. It's authentic. I love the authenticity of New York. I love the authenticity of the garden. Um, there's no being nice to you for nice's sake. It's just, it's just real. And it, you, you know, realized the other day. It's been as a as a cop, columnist in my current role. I think it was my seventh consecutive year going to the garden, and it's just my favorite place to go because of how. Uh, angry everybody sort of is it's 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 great and pop is great there pop pop loves the big crowd of media at the garden and he was delightful as usual for how the, many uh, how many days after you got back from new york did it did it take for you to lose the the fake accent you were doing the entire time there this podcast is the first time i've stopped uh-huh. as you know as you, i just feel like that would be offensive to people for me to do the brooklyn accent throughout the entire podcast Maybe it'd be great, but no, yeah, the, Je- Jeff's right. I don't, I don't stop with the Brooklyn accent for weeks after coming back from New York. It's great. Uh, I love it. And, uh, you know, you look for the bright sides. Don't let, this is my parting wisdom to the, to the listeners. Don't let other people tell you what to enjoy. If you enjoy being miserable, then be miserable. It's, it can be fun sometimes. If you enjoy, uh, you know, uh, whatever. Going to the Madison Square Garden and having a guy just not get your press credential and making you wait in the corner, waiting to the corner, waiting the corner until they come in with the credentials. Uh, that's that can be fun. And, and don't uh, be afraid to say bleep this bleep. Don't okay, be af- get it yes. out. Okay, for your mental health, you don't have to be positive all the time. Sometimes it can be helpful just to say bleep this bleep, and try to do better the next day. And we'll try to do better next week. Until then. Take care of each other and keep it real.